0: is not a sin, Harry, but you should exercise course. He's a strand. You'll fertilize him with the enemy. There's the, um, the cruciatus curse. We'll celebrate a boy who is kind and honest and brave and true
1: right to the very end. Hey everyone, welcome to Hogwarts, a podcast. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Hogwarts, a podcast. We have chapter 28, The Madness of Mr. Crouch, and we have Jen back with us. Hey guys. So I know we were kind of talking a little bit pre-episode, but I feel like this chapter is a slow burn until the end, and then it's like an explosion of things.
0: So many things.
1: (laughs) And shockingly, it has to do with uh, Barty Crouch. So... Uh, really quick, before we have a little rundown of the chapter, we have a visit to Dobby, uh, where apparently we find out that Butterbeer is indeed alcoholic, to some extent.
0: So I, I always wondered about that in prior scenes, because I I, know, I thought that they had described it with it made them giddy mm-hmm. or giggly. So there it always felt like there was maybe something to it. We see it's definitely affecting house elves much more severely. Than yeah. anyone, But so in my mind now, I think it's more of like a hard seltzer, right? Because they're not of age yet. They can't have like fire whiskey.
1: Correct. That's considered beer. a harder edge. Right. Yeah. So
0: maybe it's like a, like a, you know, Mike's But can they have mead? Because
1: we've mentioned mead a couple of times, but then Karkaroff has shut that down yeah. to students other than crumb very quickly. So I don't know.
0: I don't know what the, what the underage uh, drinking laws are for wizards.
1: I know like and i'm sure you know this too having been out of the country so often but you know yes there are drinking ages overseas but it's not really a hard line right obviously many other countries let younger people drink wine at events and such you know like that i'm sure not fire whiskey uh or something (laughs) like to that nature but butterbeer obviously seems to be but
0: falls into that category of just... I guess so. Have
1: you ever had hiccups when you have had a little bit too much to drink? No. That's never happened to me never. either. I don't know where that's coming from.
0: No, I when I read that, I thought, okay, this must be a house self thing. It has that's to be. Literally not, but they do characterize that sometimes in other forms of media where to, to indicate that someone's a drunkard, they have hiccups. But I have never once in my life had hiccups from drinking.
1: The only thing that pops into my head, and this is purely because you are sitting across <laughs> from me, is a Disney reference <laughs> oh, with like, and I can't remember what the scenario or which movie it was, if it was mm-hmm. like Cinderella or, or maybe one of the other ones, but there's like a mouse yes. that hiccups after drinking.
0: I think it's, I want to say it's Cinderella. It
1: might be Cinderella. I just thought of movie with mice, Disney. But right.
0: Julie, Julie is listening to this and screaming the answer.
1: Probably, herself. probably. But that's like the first thought that comes in my head is like when you bring up other forms of media. Maybe it's carbonated. Yeah. Because I know there are forms of actual butterbeer that's being made that's carbonated, and that can give you hiccups.
0: That would make more
1: sense. Yes. To me. <laughs> and maybe it just falls into that trope, like you said, of the yeah. drunk hiccuping in yeah. media? I don't know. Not that's sure. weird. Anyway, that's our alcohol tangent of the day. <laughs> and uh, there's some more stuff in that uh, Visit to Davi that we'll get into, but... We also get Hermione getting the mail, which leads to some interesting uh, developments. We get a Care of Magical Creatures class, uh, which I think goes really well, all things considered. Time jumps. So many time jumps in this chapter, which I know uh, some of our um, regulars that we have on here and some of our listeners get on me for about like, oh, there's this huge time jump. This was Mandy Brocklehurst's moment and we miss it. (laughs) You never know. And there's some Molly Weasley stuff that I want to get into in this chapter.
0: Oh, I have opinions
1: Uh You do, that. too. Um, so there's that. And then we have the third task announcement, and then we have the actual main event of this whole thing, which is the madness of Mr. Crouch. So, yeah. uh, going back to the Dobby thing really quick, the, the chapter opens up with, you saved my life at the Gillyweed. And let me tell you, <laughs> if you've heard our second task chapter... <laughs> No truer statement has ever been uttered in this series. And I think and they got him the socks, which Dobby really appreciates, uh, which is great. i um, not sure if that's equal payment or not. Dobby loves it, of course, but yeah, Dobby came up huge.
0: Yeah, Dobby was the MVP of...
1: MVP of that's the second that. task. Yep. Unbelievable. Um, what do you kind of... I know we had a whole big thing about it, Julie and I. What did you think about the second task as a whole? Or Gillyweed. Or Dobby's role in the whole thing.
0: Yeah, so I, uh, you know, I didn't really have the same objections to the second task when I read it, maybe the first or couple times. Mm -hmm. Um, I never really liked that it feels like, at least to me, this is the least prepared that Harry is. I don't like the over reliance on this last minute save Mm -hmm. from an unexpected helper it that always felt a little uh i guess cheap to me in in that regard and i also felt kind of bad because he was up late like trying to pull an all-nighter right before doing this right. so, like, before to... a life
1: and death thing not just like a geometry quiz
0: right so <laughs> you wake up i i would be exhausted you're trying to figure you know you've you've suddenly got someone shoving something in your face and you're late to get to he was so ill-prepared for this task mm-hmm. that really stressed me out when i read it yep um, and then one thing that was pointed out, after, I didn't catch this on my initial reading, but one thing that I've seen criticism of in the fandom for, which I agree with, mm-hmm. is that you have all of these students lined up in the bleachers, essentially, to watch this task and yeah. no one can see what's going on because it's all underwater. It's the most
1: boring thing ever, yeah. Yeah,
0: I would be so bored to be sitting, you know, you're watching. I, in my mind, sometimes I fill things in because I just don't think that critically about things like that. So I always imagine, like, they had some sort of setup that they just didn't mention, but you know, I, I, I don't know how realistic. I think that that's is. a
1: good point, though, because when we were reading this for the first, however many times, we probably read this for our just personal enjoyment. Yeah. You gloss over some right. issues, right? Or, you, like you said, you fill in the blanks automatically. Yeah. But uh, I think Julie had an interesting statement in when she said, "It's almost like we're back in AP English, <laughs> and we're here dissecting yeah. all of this. Yes. And we're pointing out some loopholes or some right. like issues that I'm like, I don't know if this makes sense. Right. Or I don't know if this is right, or if this is lazy, or if this is great, you know, on a positive spin. So it's it's kind of interesting to get all the different perspectives. But. Yeah.
0: Now that said, I actually, I do like the description of the second task. I do find it interesting. I feel like it fits in with his, he definitely has a hero complex.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: I like, well established.
1: I like the idea of the second task. Yeah. I just think this is like a clear separation between your three true champions mm-hmm. and Harry. Like, the first one was like, okay, Harry can clearly match up here. Yes. Here in the second task, cannot match up. No. Cannot do it without a lot of help, so.
0: Yeah. He, he had a lot of things go in his favor for the second task. It feels like the second task was much more based on luck. Yeah. For him to get through.
1: For sure. Uh, so not as harsh of a take as Julie and I. Definitely
0: not. Yeah. Definitely not.
1: Uh, we talked in the last chapter with... Serious, having all of this information that the trio were not up on Mm -hmm. because why he's stealing profits from people in Hogsmeade, Daily Profits, And I brought it up, like, how? How in the world, if you're Harry Potter, Mm -hmm. do you not have a subscription to the Daily Prophet? And if you're Hermione and you want to know as much as you can about everything, why don't you have a subscription to this thing yet?
0: That is kind of odd.
1: You're in your fourth year at this point, and some stuff has happened where you might end up in the news. You might want to take a look at it. I get not being, like, obsessed with it. Right. But you should know at least what's going on. And she finally gets it here. She finally gets her subscription.
0: Yes. But, I mean, also, to be fair, when you were a teenager, did you really want to read the newspaper? Uh,
1: Okay, to be fair, uh, I did make the newspaper for some of my athletic achievements. Nice. When I was younger. Okay. Okay. Uh, so I would end up in the paper. Did so yes, did? I did actually go get the Palis Heights regional paper. Right. Okay. <laughs> let me
0: re- let me rephrase it to view my
1: own. Highlights. I mean
0: that's totally understandable. Did you want to read the paper when you weren't in the paper?
1: When um, I mean,
0: you didn't see your name and
1: that's fair. Old
0: print text. Sometimes
1: I admittedly was not super involved in current events like I am now. Harry's in the paper for much different reasons. Right. Much more world. Event reasons, yes, and is it good for him to even read some of that stuff? Obviously he hasn't been up to this point, and he's turned out okay, yeah, uh, do you even want to start reading the prophet about you on a daily basis?
0: No, if I'm in the newspaper because on a roll athletes, whatever, right. like I get it because it's a novelty of like, hey, look, like my name's in the paper right. but like if it's like an article especially written. By I read a Skeeter about mm-hmm. how like, deeply affected I am by my parents, God, no. I don't want to read any of my personal stuff on the newspaper, especially stuff they got wrong. I and,
1: guess just to know what they're saying would be beneficial.
0: I, I could see that point, especially when Slytherin is using it against mm-hmm. you. But then I could also see the point of like, so for example, they're writing articles about you in the newspaper.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I'm already friends with you. I'm not going to read a newspaper article.
1: Fair enough. Like
0: to get to know you. I know you.
1: If you're Ron or Hermione, yes. Right. If you're like a creepy oh, no, right. or she, something like that.
0: Right. That's fair. But like for why the trio hasn't had a daily profit yeah. subscription yet, I kinda get it.
1: Ultimately but it's good here, that she finally It's needed yeah. Yeah. that you know, Hermione of all people should probably get it. Because yeah. she is interested in the whole thing. Yeah. Uh but she's expecting the profit, she doesn't get the profit. Instead, <laughs> no. She gets a lot of collateral damage from Rita's last article, which was heavy on her being, I believe Julie used the word harlot <laughs> uh between uh crumb and Harry. Trying to get that famous wizard um love interest. So she instead receives a bunch of hate letters, uh, some blatantly racist against Muggleborns. I yeah. feel like that's a fair comment to say. Yeah. Uh and then uh some of them were Borderline like terrorist attacks. No,
0: yeah, I a hundred percent agree like you they were assault at a minimum and like
1: Like so and what we mean by that is they would put hidden charms or hidden materials in these letters that are intended to do some form in various stages, some minor, some major, if done correctly, harm to her mining.
0: It reminded me of the anthrax scares.
1: Exactly. A hundred percent. And I get that we've had Dumbledore and Hagrid talk about the letters that they've received. Yeah. And I think Hagrid at some point schluffs sh- this off too, is like, you just, yeah. you just got to throw them out. You just got to throw them in the fire, which yeah. is good advice and the correct advice. Yeah. But at the same time, they're adults dealing with this. And I get... and. In particular, Dumbledore's case, I'm assuming he can probably figure out if there's a charm or a chemical or potion or something embedded in this because he's Dumbledore. This is a kid. And first of all, you have to be a pretty sick individual to be sending harmful materials to a child. Oh, yeah. Number one. Yeah. I don't really care too much what third I mean this is a 14 year old girl
0: No yeah I think even if she wasn't 14 don't send hate mail that could harm someone Period. is like pretty good advice And solid life advice
1: Why are you sending
0: Right also why do you care that much Why
1: do you care about a teenager's love life Right If you are a adult witcher wizard yes. and you are that much involved and look we're in an age of Twitter Yeah granted twitter you can't physically harm someone right through twitter but you can emotionally. you can do a lot of damage mm-hmm. on social media nowadays and that's been happening for a while and it, a lot of it comes when you're a teenager in high school and you're a little bit more emotionally vulnerable
0: how many uh news articles have we seen about teenagers killing themselves because yeah. they've been bullied cyber 100%. bullied by people i mean it's it's awful out of hand
1: this is Uh, This is insanely ridiculous. And how does Dumbledore not firmly step in at some point? How do they
0: not have someone checking the mail? There's no mail screening. You can just send anyone anything. You don't
1: think, like, I I know Dumbledore sees the prophet. Yeah. Or or whatever articles Rita's putting out there. Yeah. He knows, like, this could (laughs) could be a problem. We (laughs) should probably do something about this. <laughs> but per Hogwarts law, nothing is done about this, and students are put in danger problems
0: i yeah i'm I was a little bit surprised that they don't have some sort of like n- not mail filtering like I don't think that they should be uh you know necessarily like reading or like too much big brother surveillance with mail, but like maybe some level of like just checking that the things that are being sent don't have like hexes or jinx or material that could be harmful. I feel like there's got to be some... Do you think the
1: owl is aware? And the owl's like aware of what's in the letter and then just slowly puts a leg out there and like quickly retracts it and flies off. I have
0: to hope that the owl is not an accomplice in all of this. (laughs) (laughs) Because I don't know what that says if it is.
1: Moving on to (laughs) Care of Magical Creatures. Uh, I think this is another solid lesson from Hagrid. We get our first... Look at Nifflers. Nifflers. Our first look, uh, small spoiler for the uh, Fantastic Beast movies, but a niffler plays a fairly large role in those yeah. movies. Yeah. Uh, so here we get our first look at it in the entire Harry Potter world, and um, obviously they're creatures that kind of dig for treasure or are treasure hunters of a certain way. They don't have to dig for it. They could just root around in whatever, trash, houses... <laughs>
0: And they're described your as... Your pocket, whatever. True, true. And they're described as cuddly.
1: They are. And, uh, yeah, all of the students really enjoyed this lesson. It was a yeah. universally well-accepted lesson, which is very hard to accomplish.
0: And I would argue well-executed. Yes. Like, Haggard had some forethought. He knew exactly what he was going to do to demonstrate it. He still made it fun and engaging for the for the students while they learned about this animal and got to watch the animal in action. It pretty much checked almost everything you could want, I think, from... A Care of Magical Creatures lesson, which, as we know, is kind of a rarity from Hagrid.
1: This is two in a row from yeah. Hagrid that are solid. Yeah. Maybe, just maybe, we're getting on the right track.
0: He's stepping it up.
1: I think uh, Grebly playing was a reality check for him. Yeah. of Like, oh, this is how a teacher should sculpt this class. Yes. Got it. Yep. Uh, so kudos to him for figuring yeah. this out and putting yeah. it together. He's clearly capable.
0: Very well done.
1: Um, there is a downside to this. Yeah. And the fact that the Nifflers were digging up le- First of all, where did Hagrid get all of this leprechaun gold?
0: Where does Hagrid get anything?
1: That's a fair question. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but Hagrid had all of this leprechaun gold that he dug in for the Nifflers to go search for it. And obviously it disappears after a couple of hours. So Ron realizes that all of the leprechaun gold that he obtained and gave to Harry in payment for the Omnioculars disappeared... Uh, And then he gets awfully snippy with Harry about it. And, you know, he questions him, like, why didn't you tell me? Which Harry has the most honest and truthful response ever of, like, dude, there was a lot going on. I truthfully did not notice.
0: And and I understand Ron's point of like, how do you not realize that money has gone missing? Because to him, it's several gallons, gallons, like, right. so which like, is expensive, a non-insignificant amount of money, especially to Ron, who like you know probably has not had access to that if at any point in his life. Um, but also like, there were a lot of things that happened right after. I'm a hundred percent. I have empathy for Ron in this situation. I'm a hundred percent on Harry's side. I I don't know if you gave me like. 500 bucks, I'm sure it wasn't even that, but if you gave me 500 bucks and then we got attacked by some Death Eaters and accused of conjuring the Dark Mark and then there was a house elf that was involved and someone stole my wand, I don't know that I would really be tracking, especially from someone like Harry who's very generous in general. Yeah. You know, like, he probably, like, I'm sure he wrote that off as just like, I want to have fun with my friends, let me buy some Omnioculars for everybody. Mm-hmm isn't thinking of it, like doesn't view it in the same way as Ron initially. So then when a bunch of things happen that are like kind of scarring and really like big and dramatic, like, of course, I'm not going to worry over, I mean, $500 is a bit of an exaggeration. 50 bucks. I'm not going to like stress that much about it. I've already written it off. And I'm like way more concerned about why someone stole my wand and why there was a dark mark. Like that, I'm so preoccupied with that.
1: And I think it's those reasons that not even Ron can like fully out or go after so as as petty as the argument that he starts here might be yeah uh, i do give him credit for dropping it fairly quickly
0: yes it it always stressed me out reading it because i thought it was going to be another fight between right. them but it's nice to see him take a step back and be like okay and even hermione starts uh kind of trying to be light-hearted with him to jolly him out of well, it well he has as this
1: well. this statement uh at the end of i hate being poor which i think normally can be like a throwaway line but what followed it is the line of like harry and hermione taking notice of it and both not knowing what to say yeah which i thought was a more interesting line than the actual code of i hate being poor
0: they've never had to confront it that directly yeah I sometimes feel like maybe what's also driving some of Ron's anxiety with this is not only the monetary aspect, but that he always feels pressure to be something. Like he's in a family of a bunch sure. of children, and I think there is some pressure to live up to, you know, Charlie and Bill and Percy to a maybe smaller degree. Harry, even though he also grew up poor, doesn't have that underlying insecurity because he knows that dudley is just a brat Mm -hmm. so i almost feel like some of what is driving this is it's not just the monetary aspect of it but it's also the constant feeling of needing to be more or have more or do more right and that is exacerbating kind of ron's perspective on it like yes he doesn't have as much money as other families or their children and he doesn't have all of those things but he also feels like he's a failure for not having those things. I don't know that Harry views it the same way.
1: It's an interesting kind of line to just take note of. Yeah. Where they this is the first time I think either one of them was just left speechless by something. Yeah. Anyone has said really (laughs) for that matter. I wouldn't
0: know how to respond if someone said that to me freshman year of high school.
1: That's true. You yeah you Well, even now, it could be an awkward situation. Right, yeah. Right now,
0: I'd be like, uh...
1: All right. So, uh, ultimately... uh, Well, speaking of other awkward situations. We have other awkward situations (laughs) to discuss. Uh, And I think we both took note of this one. So, after one big time jump, we get the Easter holidays. And per large holidays, Molly Weasley sends gifts to the students. And Harry gets a massive big gift, and Ron gets a massive big gift. Yeah. Hermione, not so much. Got something.
0: Yeah, got a little chicken egg. uh,
1: Yeah, not not nearly what Harry and Ron got. And my my point on this is Molly's got a little bit of an issue here.
0: There has never been a time where I have reread this and not been mad. Yeah. Like outright indignant. She, Molly Weasley, is such a good mother figure to Harry. Mm-hmm. And this to me breaks it a bit. Like I know that that everyone is human and has their own flaws and has their own weak points. But for someone who's raised seven kids and like pseudo adopted Harry and met Hermione on multiple occasions by this point where is any effort to understand the situation like she doesn't hear this from ron she doesn't hear this from harry she doesn't hear this from hermione directly she's not hearing i'm sure she's not hearing anything from fred and george she reads one article Mm -hmm. and decides that that article is more truthful than any of her interactions with anyone doesn't ask any questions doesn't send ron an owl and say hey i saw this thing Are things okay? What's going on? Asks no questions, just immediate judgment. Mm -hmm. And then sends her something clearly lesser than everyone else as like this statement of, I do remember you, but I don't like you as much as the other people. That has always bothered me. Like, as a mother figure, really feel like you should have done a little bit more work before you came to any sort of conclusion about your child's friends
1: 100 percent, and i think this is the the one flaw that you can really point to in molly weasley yeah which we have been very complimentary of molly weasley deservedly so
0: because aside from this she's fantastic
1: the issue here is this isn't the only time
0: we we have seen her also fall hook line and sinker for a locked heart
1: exactly yes another great example so Molly Weasley has some questionable judgment.
0: Yeah. She, snap judgments.
1: A lot of snap judgments where, and I think that does sometimes fall uh, to her children, although I think Ron really exemplifies it the most that I could think of of any of them.
0: I wonder how much of that, because we see that um, he's much calmer, I think, now than in book one in terms of like snap judgments. I wonder how much of, because we see Fred and George, but they've already had a few years out at Hogwarts. Mm-hmm. So we don't have as much insight into whether or not Fred and George were like that in the same timeline. Like maybe they've already kind of calmed down a bit.
1: I like that thought process. I'd apply it to Bill and Charlie. Okay. Because we don't know how much, we don't know much of them in school. Right. And they could have had some of these biases that they've since grown out of. Right. Fred and George, I just view them specifically as more, more leaning towards Arthur. They've always had that connection with Arthur specifically.
0: I think Fred, George, and Ginny, I would say, lean more Arthur.
1: Anyway, moving forward in this chapter, uh, skipping ahead, we get the third task announcement, which is a big deal. So there's been another time jump down to May, and the third task announcement has them going into the Quidditch stadium which both Harry and Cedric take issue with yeah. that the stadium kind of looks a little rough around the hedges. Huh? Oh, uh,
0: huh? groan. Yeah. That was
1: a good one. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> um, so, they're upset at the look of the Quidditch stadium. We do find out a little Background info that Cedric apparently speaks to Fleur on a fairly regular basis. So like,
0: do you get the impression from this that Fleur's got a bit of a crush on Cedric?
1: Okay, so that's been brought up before. And I don't know if it's a crush. I, I would say likes Cedric. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: I don't know if that's a romantic interest or just like, look, there's a nice, smart, talented boy who's not fawning over me every chance he gets. Yeah. That's kind of nice to be around.
0: Yeah, I um, mean, that's fair. Maybe also just speaks to Cedric as a, just a personable, likable yeah, like,
1: guy. Yeah, that's how I kind of take it is more of like uh, they don't fawn over each other. They're just yeah. like, they can be in each other's space and not have to have that like thing above their head, or the, the Hermione, Crumb, Harry thing <laughs> above their head. Yeah. Of just like... Yes, we are talented, good-looking, great people. That's it.
0: Yeah. See, I guess that's the You get reason.
1: it. I get it. We get it.
0: <laughs> I guess that that's the reason why part of me thinks that it's a maybe just she's nursing a little bit of a crush on Cedric because she does. So I don't want to get into the, the habit of, like, uh, trying to pair everybody off right? Mm -hmm. Like, because I I do believe that guys and girls can be friends and not have any sort of, like, romantic. But I think what, I don't know that Fleur seems at this point to be that type of girl who is good with being friends. Like, she snubs a lot of people in Hogwarts, fairly consistently, Mm -hmm. is what, how the, it sounds described as by the trio. So, it's suspicious to me that the one person from Hogwarts Sheep of Friends is also described as very likable and good-looking. Because I'm wondering if she, maybe it's not that she has aggression, and maybe she's just kind of elitist and only wants to associate with other people that she deems, like, worthy. I mean, you like, throw I could throw that spin on it. Yeah. I, could, I would buy that argument. I would say the only reason I pose the question is just because I don't see her as being the most friendly to people unless there's a reason behind it. I think Cedric is. I think Cedric will talk to anybody. I think a first year could come up to Cedric and, like, stutter in front of him, and he'd be like, hey, buddy, how are you? Like, (laughs) he seems like a good guy. Fleur doesn't really – Fleur seems very judgmental.
1: I can see that. So
0: it's either an elitist thing that's like, goes back to Cedric's really good-looking or it's, eh, you know, this guy from Hogwarts is kind of good-looking and he's helped me out a little bit. Like, Mm -hmm. whatever. But
1: they've always seemed to have – Like, of the three champions, Crumb has always been, like, off on his own.
0: He's very solitary.
1: And these two have always seemed to strike up some sort of familiar relationship, whether you want it to be romantic or not. So it's always been an interesting pairing. But now we get, like, specific, hey, Fleur was talking about what she thinks. For I'm like, oh, okay, so you guys are, like, talking about this. Great.
0: And we also do see a little bit of my point being that, so Fleur in this scene is kinder to Harry. Yes. But...
1: There's a reason for that.
0: Right. Which is kind of the... She doesn't seem to open up to people unless she deems them worthy.
1: Right. Uh, And, you know, Fleur's got reasons to dislike Harry at the beginning of this because she views him as taking some shine away from deserving individuals, which is understandable. Yeah. uh, You know, but it is what it is. Uh, But, yeah, Fleur thinks the next uh, task is going to (laughs) be evolving tunnels Clearly because Madame Maxine uh, walked in on Hagrid setting up the Niffler.
0: I never picked up on that. And I love that. That is such a great connection and, like, so demonstrates how information is getting kind of skewed, right? So, like, Madame Maxine and Hagrid are still fighting. Mm Mm-hmm. So now she's kind of low-key spying on him and then trying to infer from what he's doing what the next task is going to be, and then failing because it's just this awesome care of magical creatures. List. I love that. I love that so much. I never picked up on that. I thought that was great.
1: She's almost... She's described as a very... Obviously, she's the headmistress of a of school. She's a bright, bright woman, but uh, maybe too bright for her own good. She's reading some yes. things that just yes. don't exist. Uh, but what the third task actually is is it's a, it's a maze. They're slowly building this maze. Cedric and Harry have to literally, like, climb over these hedges just to get to where Ludo and the other champions are standing. And I love how Ludo's like, okay, like, do you have an idea of what we're doing here? Yeah. And then, like, silence, and then Crumb's just like, maze.
0: <laughs> that was wonderful. I loved that.
1: Um, and I don't know if that's just Crumb being the, the most comfortable with just being like, I don't care, throwing out an answer, or he... Was it the first one to be like, this is clearly a maze? Like, what are we talking about? He
0: seems like the kind of guy that's going to stand to the back and like, if no one else has an answer, then he'll answer. Like, <laughs> I feel like he knew it was a maze and he was waiting for someone else to say it. And he's like, fine. I
1: mean, truthfully, this should be really obvious, right? You're literally you crawling so. over hedges.
0: Right. Why was this hard?
1: <laughs> uh, so the idea is you must navigate the maze and be the first to touch the Triwizard Cup, which would be at the center of said maze. Yep. You will encounter... Some creatures and some particularly interesting spells along the way so be prepared Uh, and the order of of which they'll enter the maze is their current standing so so Cedric and Harry being tied for first place will get a co head start into the maze then crumb then floor Um, so that's the way they'll enter and then here's where the crux of this chapter actually picks up and it's at the very very end of this chapter but they're all breaking by the way side note before we get away from this you just crawled over hedges that are going to be making up this maze yes once you figure out that this specific thing is definitely the task if you're like cedric or harry or any of them aren't you like taking particular notice on your way out and being like trying to look your way through the maze and be like are there walls here because you have a aerial view of this thing
0: yeah just go to the astronomy tower and look down
1: that's what i'm saying yeah. like now that you come on
0: yeah that seems like a massive hole
1: like at least you can get and i can't i, I get you can't get the whole maze but yeah. you can probably plan out your first like i don't know ha, half hour in the maze whatever
0: can you take his broom and just fly over could do that too three of them play quidditch
1: jen there's a lot of logic and we'll get to even more logic issues here yeah. in a second <laughs> Uh, okay, crux of the matter, uh, Crum pulls Harry aside and wants to have a discussion about him and Hermione, uh, to which Harry's like, look, I cannot tell you this any more plainly. We are not, nor have we ever been, t- connected in a relationship manner before. He's
0: so confused.
1: Yeah, he is, he's like, what could this possibly be about? Yep. But there are nice moments. Uh, I, this is a really cool moment. And I and I'm glad I have you on for this because I have a good analogy for it. But yeah. it's like Crumb compliments Harry after this whole thing gets sorted out with Hermione.
0: Yeah.
1: Crum is much happier. Yeah. And he's like, you know, I actually watched you during the first event. You fly really well. This is a guy that you just watched yeah. catch the snitch at the Quidditch World Cup. Yeah. In the final. Yep. Yeah. That's like I, I for me, that would be like Michael Jordan or something like that, or Kobe Bryant or whatever coming up to me and being like, jump shot looks really good today. Yeah. Like, that's a solid jump shot.
0: Serena Williams comes down and is like, your backhand is great. Right? I'd be like, I'd be on the floor. I'd be, I'd be so... I'd be
1: flying the rest of the year at Hogwarts at that point.
0: Oh, God. I'd be years. telling
1: that story until I'm like dead. Yeah. Like...
0: That story's getting printed on my tombstone. Yep. Anyway. I get business cards.
1: <laughs> right yep. uh can you take a photo with me real quick yeah. uh anyway um so that was so cute was i love great. their
0: bonding i'm so team harry crumb bonding
1: so mr crouch here appears from the forest and goes into this rambling almost sometimes he's lucid sometimes he's not warning i guess you can call it he still calls percy weatherby by the way even when he's like in and out of this lucid state
0: that's my favorite part that's my absolute favorite part in all of this, is he's so out of it, but, like, even in his moments of lucidity, he's still messing up his name. Still gone. Also, he's spewing total nonsense, because sometimes he's lucid, sometimes he's not, and then sometimes it's a combination of the two. He's mentioning Weatherby in the same sense that he's talking about his wife and his son. Right. Like, it's total nonsense.
1: This warning is really interesting, and, it, I mean, it's essentially like, I escaped, must warn, must tell Dumbledore, my fault, all my fault, Bertha dead. All my fault, my son, tell Dumbledore, Harry Potter, Dark Lord Stronger. I'm not, that's from the book. I'm not like just picking words all over the place. That's him rambling.
0: My main complaint with that is when Harry tells Dumbledore eventually what's Mm -hmm. going on. And he goes, yeah, he said something about Bertha. Like he didn't, like the word dead didn't stick out to you. Like Bertha dead.
1: I mean, it's been talked about this entire book so far. Like, oh,
0: you said something about birthday. Yeah, dead. Literally the next word was dead. Maybe relevant. Fine.
1: So uh, just some highlights here, and we'll talk more about it in the spoiler section. But Harry makes a decision to go into the castle to retrieve Albus and come back. I hate it. Dumb decision. Worst. There's, you have a wand. There's no way you can signal in any way, shape, or form that, hey, there's problems here. Sparks into the air. Yeah. Some sort of like a boom, a loud boom, a loud blinding light, something. Wait,
0: wait, wait, wait! Didn't so for the first task, he used a summoning spell to get his broom. He just used a summoning spell, and Dumbledore just (laughs) yanked Dumbledore. He's just suddenly talking to Snape, and he just goes flying across the castle.
1: I just didn't picture him with that same, like, dead face of Flitwick flying across his <laughs> yes. classroom with Neville.
0: Exactly. Yeah,
1: that same, like, yeah. I can't believe this is happening. To
0: me right Asio now. Dumbledore. <laughs>
1: yeah. That would be a better option than leaving Crum alone and wandering. But whatever.
0: That was so Why couldn't they both carry him? I just, so many. So like, many questions. Just.
1: So many questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, none of it's good. Uh, so, shockingly, Crum gets attacked. <laughs>
0: Who could have seen that?
1: Uh, uh, props to Albus for listening to Harry and being like, yep, this is the problem, let's go. There's an instance here where Albus silently issues a spell towards Hagrid's hut, and this ghostly bird comes out of his wand. He just silently used a Patronus. Igor comes out, uh, after, uh, some... Discussion on Hagrid's involvement in this whole thing. Goes Gets Igor. Igor rants at Albus. He spits in his direction. Hagrid nearly kills him. Yep. Like, one arm pinned to a tree, feet dangling, and...
0: Hagrid's got no time for your Dumbledore disrespect.
1: Dumbledore is not calm here. This is an instance that he is not calm because he says sharply, he yells, yep. he raises his voice yep. uh, on multiple occasions.
0: And he was calm when Harry got his name out of the fire, so... He can handle a lot of stress, but this is This,
1: this is, is a too little much. bit above. So there's a lot going on. We will end it here. Yep. We will come back with it in the spoiler section, so stick with us and we will be right back.
0: Kill the staVAD!
1: Alright, so we were back with the spoiler section, but we're still gonna talk some non-spoiler stuff here, because there's still a lot to break down with the whole crumb, hairy, crouch scenario. Yeah. So what did you want to start with?
0: Okay, well, one thing I wanted to build on from uh, the last time I was on, uh, I went on a Snape rant. And I just want to also point out, because apparently I'm just going to keep building evidence about why I don't like Snape, like slowly while we do these chapters. And uh, it came up in this chapter when Harry makes the ill-fated decision to leave uh, Crum with Mr. Crouch and to run and get Dumbledore. He runs up to Dumbledore's office. He can't get in. The password from last year no longer works. So he runs down the hall to try to see if Dumbledore's in the staff room. And he hears behind him noise. He goes back. He sees Snape. Snape's standing outside of Dumbledore's office, very clearly, just got done talking with Dumbledore. And he's trying to say, I need to talk to Dumbledore. Please let me in. This is urgent. Something's going on. And Snape just keeps sh- shooting him down. Snape's like, eh.
1: He takes glee in the panicked nature of Harry. He
0: does. And he keeps, oh, the headmaster's too busy for you. Oh, he can't see you now. Oh, why do you think he, you know, he's saying all of these things and he's not, I I dislike so much that I know that Snape doesn't like him. But if some student is running up to you panicked being like, I need to talk to the headmaster, why are you not asking what's going on? Why are you not at least being like, what is it about? Why do you need to see him? or going with Harry into Dumbledore's office to be like, hey, you know, this kid showed up, and if it's something trivial, then, you know, deal with him later. But I, I hate this immediate stonewalling of anything that Harry is stressed about by Snape.
1: The, the nice thing is now we're in the spoiler section, so I could respond with anything. Yeah. <clears throat> so um, I will say for Snape, he does do this later in the books,
0: mm-hmm.
1: where he does take Harry more seriously and is like, I should check this out.
0: Yeah, um, he. I give him tons of credit for Order of the Phoenix.
1: Yeah, uh, I mean, yeah. Immediately, right? Uh, you know, yeah. following these events, he yeah. he shows an example of doing yeah. that. Uh, here, he doesn't view anything to be in like that kind of danger, so he's kind of just dismissing it very easily. Yeah, uh, I I understand. Having, like, an eye roll here. hmm But this is a level of petty that's unnecessary. Yes. <laughs> so.
0: Exactly. Be frustrated with him. Think he's a drama queen. At right. least figure out why he's freaking out. Yes. And then decide he's being.
1: That would be the responsible teacher thing to do. Yes. Um, but, you know, sometimes Snape just likes to be Snape.
0: Yep. Snape being Snape. Uh, so, when Dumbledore happens to come down, very good luck. On that part, Harry Mm -hmm. tells him what's going on. He's described as being mildly curious. He has a mildly curious expression on his face, which I feel like that's just Dumbledore's normal face.
1: Yeah. Dumbledore here, in this whole scene, not just him meeting up with Harry, but uh, I think this is some of the best you can say about Dumbledore. He doesn't blink twice at what Harry's telling him he's like let's go do it Mm -hmm. so and now you could wonder why is he like already aware that something's off maybe about maybe he has his own reservations about Barty Crouch yeah like he's looked off before when I've seen him all of these rumors and whispers coming out of the ministry is like hey something's not right about Barty Crouch yeah so maybe he has his own misgivings.
0: Cool. And we've also had the very uh, abnormal Triwizard Tournament of Champions with four champions instead of three. Correct. So we still haven't figured out why Harry was entered, how he was entered. Correct. So there is still some mystery that needs to be figured out.
1: And I, I get it's Harry, and there are a lot of reasons why Dumbledore would listen to Harry more than the average teacher. Because, right. I mean, shoot, McGonagall will probably eye roll at him and be like, what are you talking about, Potter? Get back to bed. I mean, let's be real about it. Yeah. Um, So he has a little bit more reason to be like, I should probably listen to this kid.
0: Yeah. I think at least in in McGonagall's defense, hypothetical defense, she would hear him out and then tell him that he's being ridiculous.
1: (laughs) Probably, yeah. Snape just
0: likes tormenting the kid.
1: That's true. There is that difference. Yeah. But I just love Dumbledore's readiness to be like, what you got? Like, tell me what you got. And we've made... Uh, a lot of Harry holding on to information for as long as he possibly can. He's been very, he's been much better about as soon as he hears something interesting, letting people know about it. Yes. He's been very good in this book about it. So good on you, Harry, for that. Obviously, this is an emergent situation. Yeah. But my goodness, why was this the option that? Was play- why did you have to specifically run all? I can't imagine this probably took a good. And I'll give Harry some athleticism points, mm-hmm. but this still had to take like a good fifteen minutes, yeah, plus to get I there. I would
0: say like ten fifteen minutes, at least one way, and then to get back. Right. So I mean, already it's you've left him at least half an hour plus five minutes trying to argue with Snape and grab Dumbledore. So I mean, thirty five minutes approximately, between when he leaves Kram and when he comes back. That's a long time.
1: Why can't you have gone to the hut and just knocked on Hagrid's door, which There's was so... five minutes away?
0: I can understand. Not even five minutes away. I don't think that he knows at this point any actual magic that could solve his... I mean, unless we want to summon Dumbledore through the castle, which, personally, I'm in favor of. But, um, like, other than that, I don't think that they know...
1: Beard like... flowing behind him as he's whizzing by. Oh, <laughs> like... man.
0: I need... I want to see a visual on this now. This would be hilarious. But, so... I don't think he knows the levitating spell yet. I don't know that they can, like, pull people.
1: He probably knows sparks, though. He could, like, send up some fireworks. But,
0: like, if you're not looking out, how are you going to get? Like, you might get some kids' attention. Who, what adult is going to be paying? I feel like it has windows. Yeah, but if he's talking this, you know, like, there's. So, I, I can kind of understand from that. Perspective, he might not be able to use magic. I don't understand. He and Crum are like in decent shape. Like, I know Crum
1: could know magic, why can't knows they magic. Just...
0: Well, okay, I, true. We don't know what Krum, what magic Crum knows. What mean, could have been helpful? He's
1: obviously very capable at this point. So,
0: true. um Why couldn't they just pick him up and carry him?
1: Yep, that's another option. Like,
0: that's what and that, and then also, like, what you said, maybe going to the hut would have been a good idea or
1: screaming bloody murder Some, right, if like would have done something shooting
0: sparks and yelling and dragging him while you're doing it i mean there are so many options yep um that are non-magical really when you think about it yep um couldn't he why didn't uh we saw this at the beginning well i guess it's he because he doesn't literally the it, worst
1: like, non-magical option he could have chosen
0: oh 100 <laughs> percent. there's nothing worse he could have done in that situation than running away and like leaving Crumb with yeah crash um, now, what uh, the one thing that I absolutely loved about this, so Dumbledore gets there, uh, uses his Patronus to go to Haggards. Up until this point, we've only seen Patronus as being used to dispel Dementors. Correct. So we only really see them as like being directed towards an object. So yep. one of two things has happened, aside from him silently casting it, which is like pretty. That's a baller move. It's so baller. That
1: is a master level move. He's,
0: yeah, he's impressive. Um, is is there two options here? Either he sent the Patronus and then the Patronus brought Hagrid back. That's one option. They don't, I don't, they don't explicitly say what's going on with this. So Mm -hmm. it leaves a little bit open or two, which we later see in at least Deathly Hallows, but I feel like we see it at another point that I could not remember. He sends it with a message. And then the Patronus could say the message,
1: mm-hmm.
0: which I absolutely love. Like, I just love oh, it's that. That's a cool
1: use of me- It's a. I think they developed that in Deathly Hallows. Like, I don't know that that's a thing Did until they, Deathly Hallows.
0: Until, um, oh, why can't I remember his name? Kingsley.
1: Yeah, Kingsley, Kingsley Shacklebolt
0: uses, uses it, and it's so iconic and beautiful. I feel like
1: it's their, I'm pretty sure, I'm like 99% sure, they took Harry's coin idea from the DA Okay. and applied it to Patronuses. Because mm. you can't fake a Patronus. It is okay. what it is. So yeah. if you know your, the Order of the Phoenix Patronuses, and you get a message from one of those,
0: yeah, then it all makes sense. So I think that was
1: a bit of magic that they developed for that.
0: I don't remember that ever being... Maybe I just don't remember... I don't remember the seventh book as as well as I do the other ones, but mm-hmm. maybe I just missed that. But I, I didn't remember it ever being explicitly stated, other than just I remember Shacklebolt using it and being like, I could like, be wrong about that, but cool. I'm pretty
1: sure that's how they did it.
0: We'll, we'll fact check you when we get there.
1: I'm sh- I'm sure plenty of people <laughs> will.
0: Um, but yeah, so I, I thought I love that he silently does it. I love that there is now more than one use for a Patronus. There's a lot to be said for that. Um, Moody's very quick to be on the scene. Stunning, huh? Crazy.
1: Uh, he does have. He did say he used the Marauder's Map a little bit. Mm-hmm. But that being said, he also said he summoned it, which means he wasn't probably in his office. Right. Uh, when this whole thing broke.
0: Why did he feel the need to summon it if he didn't know that there was something going on?
1: Yeah. Doesn't so, add up. Again, spoiler section.
0: Right, so we're good to talk about it. We
1: are good to talk about it. Props to Crouch Senior, because yeah. uh, he says, I escaped. Yeah. He broke the Imperious charm that he was under. Yeah. Which is no small... Ta- okay, side note. One, it's no small task for him to do. Right. Two, I guess you could flip it around and be like, Barty Crouch Jr., his son, must have prodigious skill in this because a mind like Barty Crouch Sr. cannot be an easy thing to override. Like, I had imagined, imagine Barty Crouch Sr. with... I mean, a Ravenclaw background, yes, but a high-ranking member of the Ministry of Magic yes. who was tabbed to a Minister of Magic. He knows over 200 languages apparently. His mind is sharp. Yes. And you were able to rework that to your own advantage? That's. Funny. Yeah,
0: no. He's he's not a figure to be trifled with.
1: Senior mentions in his non-lucid thing. He like goes back into like this time jump backwards.
0: That was wild.
1: It was crazy. And he says, he mentions that his son got 12 OWLs, 12 OWLs.
0: Is that even possible?
1: So, okay, there's seven classes that you take, (laughs) right? There's seven classes at the beginning that you take, right? Yeah. And then after your second year, you get to add two more. Okay. That's nine. (laughs) How do you get 12?
0: (laughs) He's just that good. Like, what are you doing? Like... He's the kid in school where um, they just create classes for. We had a kid like that at my high school who was really good in Spanish. And my high school didn't offer AP Spanish. They only offered Spanish for honors or whatever. So they created AP Spanish for this kid. Like, that's Barty Crouch Jr. Okay,
1: so that's an interesting example. So here's my question. There's, I guess, three plausible ways he did this. Okay. One... He just hermione it and took all of the classes all at once and just ate it.
0: Time turners everywhere.
1: Well, two would be you have to use the time turner to do all of that.
0: Right. So I now you're assume- giving Barty Crouch
1: Jr. a time turner, which is an interesting thought. Yeah. All I guess the other option is you just take your normal owls, do studying on your own, and you just show up for the test and you just take the test. Like a whole catch me if you can. Yeah. How did you pass the bar? I studied. I just did it. Like I just showed up, took the test, and I passed. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm brilliant. Uh. Uh. <laughs> so
0: I'm just that good. Twelve. 12 That's of all. Of that is a ton of vowels. That's a lot. Yeah.
1: And then he seems to be like, Meh. He could have done better. How? Like didn't didn't you get that vibe from? <laughs> I did. Like even though in his like weird state that he was in, he was just like. You got 12, could have gotten 14 if you had applied yourself. <laughs> what a failure. Yeah, right? Like, <laughs> my goodness gracious. And then it's like, Hermione's the best of her year. Cedric's the best student at Hogwarts now. Yeah. I don't know that either of them are getting 12 owls. Like, they're, so. which just goes to show you, like, there are students at this school throughout the years. Like, my goodness. Yeah. Like, come on.
0: So, you say owls instead of ow I
1: go in between, but oh. yeah, either way. I was just
0: curious. I always read it as owls. It I always off. see it
1: as owls, yeah. so I'll just say owl, just like I say spew. Like I'm right, just gonna same, like yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna say that acronym. I pronounce or the acronym too. Okay. Well, anyway, um, also want to go back to really quick the Karkaroff moment. So Karkaroff, first of all, yeah. justifiably upset that his champion star student, international Quidditch star, was attacked on school grounds. Oh,
0: I would be so. Mad. I would be livid. Yeah.
1: He has every right to be upset. Definitely. And which Dumbledore acknowledges. He's like, hey, I get it. Yeah. This is a problem. We'll figure it out. He he handles it as well as he could. The spitting in Albus's direction. You know what? I'm not even going to hate on it because he didn't spit on him, just in his direction.
0: I'm, 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 it's not great. Right. But I'm okay with it. Right. Because it didn't hit him.
1: Correct. Hagrid, though. (laughs) My Goodness!
0: Everyone in this situation needs anger management issues.
1: I think Hagrid had... Well, we saw it all the way back in Sorcerer's Stone, way back when. Yeah. There is one thing yep. you cannot do around Hagrid. Yep. And that is insult this man.
0: He will not take it.
1: He does not take well to it. Yep. Nope. And we've talked about... Uh, you just mentioned Albus being the architect of everything. You can't tell me that part of that architecture was not instilling fierce loyalty in some useful pawns. I'm not saying Hagrid or Lupin are pawns. Yeah. They're better than pawns. But still fierce loyalty in chips on the on the board.
0: Yes. I so I have a a a bit of a, a conflict with that because I, I agree with the underlying point that you're saying, but I also feel like Dumbledore is the kind of person who like does genuinely care about the people. Sure. So I think it's more like establishing crucial relationships and friendships than like pawns. Like, because pawn to me, and I'm being pedantic for myself here, but pawn to me implies like, like Voldemort would have pawns. Because Voldemort wouldn't care about them. I do think... That's why
1: I upped it to yeah. like, yeah, more yeah, yeah, than yeah. a pawn. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. I'm with you on that. 100% I'm with you on that.
1: Like, it. Uh, if he is the leader of this whole thing,
0: Yeah,
1: I think the Order of the Phoenix are generals. Yeah. And then you, you know, and you go down the down the ranking, but.
0: Yep. I could definitely see that. Hager's an enforcer. don't <laughs> like think You're hiring an enforcer. Right, right, right.
1: Of like. Definitely. Not that Albus needs it. That's the crazy thing. He doesn't, but.
0: Albus gains some power through having good relationships. Yes. And doesn't always need them, but I think.
1: I think he cares. Yeah. yeah. He obviously cares. Yeah. Like he cares about Harry. Yeah. But what ultimately is Harry? Yeah. It's a means to an end Right is the ultimate thing.
0: This is how you choose to look at Dumbledore. And if you think Dumbledore is kind of good or neutral or bad is how you think he's managing these types of things. Because I don't understand why both things can't be true. Like, I do think he cares very deeply about Harry. I do think he has good intentions with things. I do think that he did also see that the way out of this is through Harry's sacrifice. Yeah. But like...
1: And, you can know, you really do there's that iconic about that? line that I'll always hear in Alan Rickman's voice rest in peace is you're leading a pig to slaughter yes. like that's this whole thing
0: right right
1: so you don't you don't care about him you don't care about whatever you, this is him being upset at right. this figuring out this whole thing right but he's like you're just you're just using all of us is the idea
0: but everything can be
1: Yes, everything can be true. There's just layers, yes. and, then, and then you're measuring what's more valuable, right. one side or the other. And, the, and
0: Substantial nuance, and that's why this is such a great thing to discuss.
1: Absolutely. It's almost like we're doing a podcast.
0: Crazy. <laughs> um, so one thing that I do want to point out in this scene, though, that really bothers me is not only the fact that no one wants to ask any questions, like Karkaroff just shows up and is like, you hurt my champion, you're out to get me, everything's terrible. He doesn't ask, how did he get hurt? What's going on? Well,
1: here's what the thing. What was the
0: circumstances that led to this? The dumbest thing in my mind about all of this is Crumb was the one who asked Harry to go on the walk. This wasn't premeditated.
1: The the whole thing, I'm thinking, like, Albus knows, first of all, he does the responsible thing in including Karkaroff as early as humanly possible yeah. in this conversation. Yeah. Which is the adults.
0: Yes. <laughs> there,
1: are, there are a lot of, quote-unquote, leaders that that step would be further down the line. It would be... Well, how can I watch my own here instead of right. doing the like starting to figure out how can I explain this away first yeah. instead of no, 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 let's get everybody that needs to be on this conversation in on this conversation, we'll figure it out. Yeah, very responsible thing for Albus to do. Yeah. Do you ever think he's watching or waiting for Carcroft to come over and being like, he's gonna ask how this happened, and then the answer to that is not a good answer, it's the right answer. But when I tell him that his own champion is saying that it's a judge in the tournament yeah. this will not go well
0: he's he's in this oh situation and he fully understands that it's a really bad situation like
1: he has zero good answers nope. and but, but again he's aware of that at least yeah. and he's trying to speak to karkaroff in a way of like dude you're right yeah this is bad yeah this it's sucks. not good it's not a good look
0: if I were you, I'd be so mad. Yep.
1: I mean, what, what else can you say? Oh, no, right. Like, you have no other option. He
0: handles it in a very adult way. He does. He's really the only adult in this situation that we've seen who is handling it appropriately. Um,
1: I like how you even get... So he's not calm in two situations. When Hagrid darn near kills Parker off. Yep. And he's like, Hagrid, absolutely not. Well, You've got to stop this. Stop it.
0: Yeah, I'm, again, you shouldn't be.
1: Yeah, you shouldn't say that calmly. You'd be like, uh, no. Right. And then the other one is like, Harry, get out. Like, get out of here. Your your moment in this conversation has ended. I love that. (laughs) You need to go.
0: Get out. (laughs)
1: Uh, And then also, and Harry takes note of this too, is like, whatever you're thinking of doing right now, don't. (laughs)
0: I wanted to bring that up, too, because he explicitly says any owls you might want to send. So, but, okay, so then the first time I read it, because I actually read that part twice for this prep. The first time I read it, I said, okay, so he knows what's going on at his school because he knows that the owls are coming and going with letters to Sirius. However, which, like, okay, A, like, you should probably know what's going on, but just another demonstration of him having, like, this grand view of all of the things that are happening. But... Second time I re- reread it, Harry mentions that Dumbledore says any owls you might want to send when he, at that very moment, was thinking about going to send owls. So it's not necessarily an educated guess on Dumbledore's part that Harry was immediately going to go and send an owl to Sirius. This is, again, another thing that has come up where, Dumbledore, where Harry has described Dumbledore in the past as having piercing eyes. D- Harry has mm, described Dumbledore yep. as seemingly knowing what's going on without him saying or without him thinking. He's gotten feelings from Dumbledore that Dumbledore is seeing more to Harry than what Harry's actually letting on. So this is, again, another situation where it heavily hints towards Dumbledore is peeking into Harry's mind.
1: Yes. With Harry's comment about that, it's it's hard to kind of ignore that thought process of, like, being used.
0: Yes. But there's one more thing I think um, we need to point out in this chapter, and it's a throwaway line, but it's a throwaway line that's my absolute favorite. Uh, they're talking about there's a brief section in here where uh, Hermione is still trying to figure out how Rita Skeeter knows about the conversation that she had with Crumb that was in the Witch Weekly article. That's why she's getting all of the hate. Mm-hmm. And uh, she, Ron says, I forget exactly what his example is, and she scolds him and says, you know, if you had read Hogwarts a History, you know that wasn't possible.
1: Love those mentions.
0: Uh, I know, I love that and. Then Harry goes, "Well, maybe you've been bugged."
1: Oh, yes. And Ron's
0: like, "What does that mean?" And Harry explains that being bugged is, you know, there's a listening device somewhere, and they're tapping your phone or they're doing whatever in a, in a muggle concept. Yep. Um. And then that kind of gets dismissed. But I love the the uh, word choice. It's so beautiful. That's just
1: J.K. playing with us. I
0: love it so much. Yeah, that's just her it's being just like little tease here.
1: Yep. That's just her having fun with wordplay. Yeah, that's great. It's my favorite. Um, So with that, we will wrap it up for Chapter 28, The Madness of Mr. Crouch. Hopefully we've encapsulated all of the madness (laughs) of Mr. Crouch in this chapter. Let us know what you think on Twitter and Instagram, and leave us a review on Spotify. That would really, really help out. You can also leave us a voice message. Give us a shout. Give us a look. And thanks for listening. We really appreciate it. Thank you for listening to Hogwarts, a podcast. If you like what you've heard, please click the subscribe button on your preferred podcasting app and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Hogwarts a Pod.